in the usual way, but of course it was then much too late, as is always the case. It all seemed too good to be true. Hither and thither through the meadows he rambled busily along the hedgerow, across the copses, finding everywhere birds, building, flowers, budding, leaves, thrusting, everything happy and progressive and occupied. And instead of having an uneasy conscience pricking him and whispering whitewash, he somehow could only feel how jolly it was to be the only idle dog among all these busy citizens. After all, the best part of a holiday is perhaps not so much to be resting yourself as to see all the other fellows busy working. He thought his happiness was complete when he meandered aimlessly along. Suddenly, he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life had he seen a river before. This sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal, chasing and chuckling, gripping things with a gurgle, and leaving them with a laugh, to fling itself on fresh playmates that shook themselves free, and they were caught and held again. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkles, rustle and swirl, chatter and bubble. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted, as one trots. When very small, by the side of a man, who holds one spellbound by exciting stories. And when tired at last, he sat on the bank, while the river still chatted on to him. A babbling procession of the best stories in the world, sent from the heart of the earth to be told at last to the insatiable sea. As he sat on the grass and looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye, and dreamily he fell to considering what a nice, snug dwelling place it would be. It would make for an animal with a few wants, and fond of a bijou riverside residence above flood level and remote from noise and dust. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it, vanished, then twinkled once more like a tiny star. But it could hardly be but it could hardly be a star in such an unlikely situation, and it was too glittering and small for a glowworm. Then, as he looked, it winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye, and a small face began gradually to grow up around it, like a frame around a picture. A brown little face with whiskers, a grave, round face with the same twinkle in its eye that at first attracted his notice. Small, neat ears and thick, silky hair. It was the water rat. Then the two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, 
said the mole. Would you like to come over? inquired the rat presently. Oh, it's all very well to talk, said the mole, rather pettishly. He being new to a river and riverside life and its ways. The rat said nothing, but stooped and unfastened a rope and hauled on it, then lightly stepped into a little boat which the mole had not observed. It was painted blue outside and white within, and it was just the size for two animals, and the mole's whole heart went out to it at once, even though he did not fully understand its uses. The rat scullied smartly across and made fast. Then he held up his forepaw as the mole stepped gingerly down. Lean on that, he said. Now then, step lively. And the mole, to his surprise and rapture, found himself actually seated in the stern of a real boat. This has been such a wonderful day, said he as the rat shoved off and took to the skulls again. Do you know, I've never been in a boat before in my whole life. What? cried the rat, open-mouthed. Never been in a... You never? Well, I... What have you been doing then? Is it so nice as all that? asked the mole shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it, as he leant back in his seat and surveyed the cushions, the oars, the rowlocks, and all the fascinating fittings, and felt the boat sway lightly under him. Nice! It's the only thing, said the water rat solemnly, as he leant forward for his stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, half as much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing. He went on dreamily, messing about in boats. Messing, look ahead, rat, cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat, his heels in the air. About in boats, or with boats, the rat went on composedly, picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of him, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter. What's the charm of it? Whether you get away or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination or whether you reach somewhere or whether you never get anywhere at all, you're always busy and you never do anything in particular. And when you've done it, there's always something else to do, and you can do it if you like, but you'd much better not. Look here, if you've really nothing else on hand this morning, supposing we drop down the river together and have a long day of it. The mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness, spread his chest with a sigh of full contentment, and leaned back blissfully into the soft cushions. What a day I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. Hold hard a minute then, said the rat. He looped the painter through a ring in his landing stage, climbed up into his hole above, and after a short interval reappeared staggering under
basket. Shove that under your feet, he observed to the mole, as he passed it down into the boat. Then he untied the painter and took the skulls again. What's inside it? asked the mole, wriggling with curiosity. There is cold chicken inside it, replied the rat briefly. Oh, stop, stop, cried the mole, in ecstasies. This is too much. Do you really think so? inquired the rat seriously. It's only what I always take on these little excursions, and the other animals are always telling me that I'm a mean beast and cut it very fine. 